Today we're in the middle of a very super practical series of messages called God Talk. And through this series, what we've been talking about is, does God talk to people today? And if so, then how does he do so? And how do we know if what we, what we think we're hearing is God or not? We've seen through this series that one of the most reliable ways God speaks to us is through Scripture, right? But we also saw, for instance, last week that one of the, one of the most common ways that God talks to us today is through prayer. As we spend time listening to God in, through prayer and not just talking God will speak to us. And last week we even talked about some of the ways, if you didn't catch this message, you can listen to it online at gracetucson.org slash sermons. But we talked about how, as we're listening to God, how we can kind of test things out and know if what we're hearing is truly from God or it's just something in our heads. This week what we're going to be talking about is an often overlooked and discounted way that God talks to people today. And that is through the supernatural. Those things that happen in life that we just can't explain. You know, when you look at Scripture, what you see is that there are all sorts of ways that God has talked to people on earth, right? God has talked through dreams and visions to people like Joseph and Daniel and Abraham and Isaiah and Ezekiel. We see that God used supernatural messengers like angels to speak to people like Mary and Joseph and Peter and Elijah and the shepherds that were in a field the night that Jesus was born. You may not tend to question those stories as much because they're in Scripture and they were a long, long time ago. But how many of us, if we were to hear a story like that today, our red flags would rise up in our heads, right? And we'd be kind of skeptical and we're like, well, was that really God that you you saw? Is that God that you heard or is that just something that you made up in your own mind? I know it's very easy for us to be skeptical of those things in today's culture, right? Skeptical of others. Even skeptical of ourselves if we think we're experiencing God reaching out to us in some supernatural way. So this morning I want to take some time to talk about this. Because today God still does speak to us in supernatural ways. But oftentimes if we're not careful, we can miss that. In fact, what I believe is that we do ourselves a disservice when we close off and we assume that God never speaks to people through supernatural ways anymore. Today we're going to look at, for some clarity and how to know when God is speaking to us supernaturally and how it's not just something that we're dreaming up in our minds. And so today I want to encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 16 with me. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking in the scriptures there at Acts 16. And as you're turning there, what we're going to see in this passage is this. There's this man by the name of, of Paul. He's an apostle and he is going throughout the world that he knew of at that time, sharing the good news of Jesus with people who had never heard of him. And while he is out on this really long trip, this long missionary journey, he's got two guys with him. A guy by the name of Silas and also a young man by the name of Timothy. And they're, again, they're bringing the good news to everyone that they can find who had never heard it. But in the midst of that, God starts doing something supernatural, something different in Paul's life that he wasn't expecting. And we're going to see what that looks like in Acts chapter 16. So as you're turning there, let me just pray once more. Lord... As we go into your scripture this morning, we ask that you would give us clarity on this. Lord, we've heard stories at times of people who have said they've seen supernatural things or heard you speak to them supernaturally. And Lord, so oftentimes we want to doubt those things. And Lord, sometimes they're worth doubting. But Lord, in those situations where you do speak in those ways, Lord, help us to not be so closed off. Help us, Lord, to see today through Scripture, how we can test these things and, and know if they're really you or not. And to be confident 
in those moments of whether or not it's really you or if it's just something that someone is making up to try to attribute to you. Lord, this morning, you know, we're not looking for those things to happen in our lives, but Lord, we, we, I pray that for all of us that we'd be in a place where we would receive them if you have something to say to us in a way that we wouldn't expect. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Acts 16, starting in verse 6. Let's look at this story of Paul as he is traveling through the known, the known Greek world at the time, God giving him this supernatural experience. Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia toward the seaport of Troas. Then notice what it says in verse 9. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul says, we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Isn't it interesting as we read this scripture how easy it is, it seems like, for Paul to receive these things that are happening to him. As he thinks he's hearing God speak and God even does this supernatural thing in his life, Paul just seems so open and receptive to what God is doing. What we see here, though, is that Paul is out there and he's trying his very best to follow God. Right? I mean, he's, he's given everything to follow God. And he has just left this southern part of Galatia and he's heading down this westward road to this place called Ephesus when he just feels like God is just interfering as he's praying. He feels like God's saying, don't go that way. Turn to a different direction. And so without hesitating, Paul just starts heading in a different direction. He starts heading north toward this place called Phrygia. And then he starts heading direct, that direction and God stops him again. And says, Paul, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Now, if I were Paul in that moment, maybe you'd be in the same boat. After feeling like God is stopping me a couple of different times, after going a couple of different directions, my first response would have been, well, I guess God doesn't want me to do this anymore. I think I'm going to go home and wait for God to say something a little more clearly. Right? But Paul doesn't do that. He just, what does he do? He just picks a third direction and he starts heading that way. In his mind, he knows God's called him. He knows what God has called him to do to, to share God's word with people. And so he's like, well, those two are strikes. Let's just head in this direction. But you see, God has something specific in mind for Paul that Paul doesn't get yet. In this moment, God is really wanting Paul to go to this specific place, this place called Macedonia, where no one knows who Christ is. And so God finally just decides, I'm just going to make it really clear to Paul what he is to do. And so that night he has this vision and he sees this man from Macedonia who is pleading with Paul, please come to us. Come to us. And so does Paul hesitate? Does he take some time to pray and make sure it's God? He just, well, God called me to preach his word. If that's where God wants me to go, I'm going to go to this place called Macedonia. And so what we see in this passage is, as, uh, in, this, in, in Acts 16 and 17 is, as Paul lands his ship in this place called Macedonia, which is modern-day Greece, he becomes the first person to bring the gospel to the continent that would become Europe. For centuries since then, 
God has been doing things like this. Crazy things that we can't explain. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens just enough that it gets our attention when it happens, right? A couple of centuries ago, there was this good Christian guy, good Baptist guy, didn't believe a whole lot in the supernatural, but his name was William Carey. And he had a burden on his heart in the late 1700s to bring the gospel to a place called Polynesia. And as he was heading there, God supernaturally appeared to him and said, I don't want you to go to Polynesia. I want you to go to India. So William Carey went to India instead. And he established the first Protestant mission that was ever placed in any part of the non-English speaking world at that time. Even though as he brought his family there, his son died in India of dysentery. And his wife had a nervous breakdown while they were there. And because of his great sacrifice and his willingness to follow God, today William Carey is still known as the father of modern day missions in the church. At the same time, at the same time in history, there was another guy by the name of Adoniram Judson. And he believed God was calling him to India. But on his way to India, God said, no, I don't want you to go to India. I want you to go to Burma. And so he says, well, if God's calling me to Burma, then that's where I'm to go. And so he goes there and he translate the Bible, translates the Bible during his life into their language. He plants a hundred churches in this place called Burma that the gospel hadn't been brought to. And by the time he died, by the time he went home to be with Jesus, over 8,000 people in Burma had accepted Christ. Paul followed his vision this vision that he had to go to this place called Macedonia that he had never been before. And what you'd see in Acts chapter 16, verse 11, through Acts 17, verse 15, are the, all these stories of what happened while Paul and Silas and Timothy were in Macedonia. Some crazy stuff happened while they were there. But one of the first things it, sh- it mentions is that once they got to Macedonia, Paul goes to a place called Philippi, and there was nobody there who had ever understood who Jesus was. And so he looks around and he finds some people who were God-fearers outside the city of Philippi who were worshiping God one day on a riverbank. And he starts telling them about Jesus. And this woman named Lydia accepts Christ. And then some others at the riverbank accepts Christ. And before you know it, what we find in Scripture is that the Philippian church was born that day. He starts sharing throughout Macedonia the good news of Christ, even though as he's doing so, he is beaten and in prison for what he's doing. But you see, when you have something supernatural happen to you like Paul did, when things, when things start going wrong, when things start not going your way, you know, even with Paul, even though he was getting beaten and put into prison, he knew what God had told him to do. And he was all the more determined and resolved to stay there and to share the good news with people, regardless of what happened. Chapter 17 says that while he was going through this region, many Jews and many Greeks accepted Christ as their Savior. Now, I'm going to pause there for a moment to share this. Sometimes we hear these stories of supernatural things that happen, where God does these things that we can't explain, and we sometimes think, well, those people who have dreams and visions, or those people that God appears to, those are the super spiritual people, right? Right? Those aren't people like me. Those are those super spiritual people who hang out in their closet and they pray to God all day long and they have these mystical experiences. But Scripture doesn't hold out to that. What we see in the Old Testament is that God told His people He would send His Spirit and that things like this would become commonplace with all of His people. 
And in Acts chapter 2, what we find is that God sent his spirit. And from that point on, these things in the life of the church just started happening on a regular basis. In fact, it's happened so often that later in the New Testament, this, the, uh, 1 John describes how to test these things to know if they're God or not. Because they were happening so often, people needed to know whether they were God or not. God hasn't changed from the days of the Bible. Even though these days we are more educated and we're more scientific in our approach than perhaps they were then, God still does supernatural things at times in our lives to get our attention. If you think about it, when it comes to God, nothing is really supernatural in the first place because God created it all, right? This morning I thought I'd share with you as I kind of unpack this for you. There are three ways that we see in Scripture and three ways that we often see these days where God can do supernatural things. And I just want to take just a couple minutes to clarify what those look like because so oftentimes we've heard of some crazy hokey things. But I want us to see how God still works through these things today. And the first thing I want to share with you is that God at times, at times speaks to us through dreams and visions. When God shows us things, either when we're asleep or we're awake, that otherwise we would never see. The book of Job says that God communicates to us in these ways. And the Bible records over 50 instances where people received words from God through dreams and visions that were life-changing. Oftentimes, these dreams and visions, they come so that people uh, realize what's about to happen and God uses it as a, as a point to encourage a person to pray and intercede for someone else. Case in point, there's a story I heard not too long ago about this 18-year-old girl here in the States. And she, this 18-year-old girl was sleeping one night and she started having this dream unlike anything she'd ever had before. She was dreaming that her brother was out in some remote part of the world and he was dying. And she woke up in a cold sweat, freaked out. Have you ever had one of those dreams where you're just kind of freaked out? It's like, oh, that was a little too real. Well, for her in that moment, she had seen her brother dying in the middle of nowhere. And she just like, what is that? And she felt God in that moment pushing her, just pray for him. So she stops and she gets by her bed, 18 years old, and she starts praying for her brother. Not knowing where he is or what he's doing, but just assuming that it's nothing. But she just prays that God would be in his life and God would protect him and keep him safe. And then eventually she feels this sense of peace and she goes back to sleep. The next morning she's woken up by a phone call and it's her mom. Her mom says, I need you to know that through the night your brother has been out on a camping trip for the last couple of days. And last night he had an appendix attack and he almost died. Just this morning they were able to get him to the hospital and they were able to save his life. She was dumbfounded. She's like, wow, God does that kind of stuff? Really? And she kind of wrote it off as a, just a weird experience. never happened again. But it was really cool that it happened when two years later it happened again. She was asleep one night and she saw her brother again in a dream. And in this dream, she saw her brother driving through this intersection in town that she knew very, very well. And he was T-boned. And the car flipped a few times. And she saw her, her brother die in this dream. She woke up, and she didn't even have to think twice. She just got on her knees, and she started praying. Like, God, I, I don't want this stuff happening to me. I don't understand it. But God, I pray for my brother. 
And she interceded for him for quite a while until she felt this sense of peace come over her from God and she went back to sleep. Next morning, her brother was driving to school and in that very intersection that she saw in her dream, he was T-boned. And his car flipped three times in the air and came down. But her brother walked out of the car, crawled out of the car without a scratch. Why do these things happen sometimes to some people where God seems to intervene and cause people to intercede and sometimes it doesn't happen? I don't know. I don't know why God works sometimes the way he does. I don't know why God does these supernatural things at times in our lives that he feels like he needs to do this to get our attention or to get us on our knees so that we can pray. But you know what? What I do know is it happens. And when it happens, God's calling us to be faithful and to trust him in those moments. Believe it or not, some of you have heard this. If you, if you follow world missions and things that are happening, in the last few years, there have been so many reports of people, thousands of people now around the world who have had dreams and visions of Jesus. Crazy, I know. But people who had never even never knew who Jesus was. People in remote parts of the world where there is no Christian church, where there is no missionary to tell them who Jesus is. Parts of the Muslim world, the Buddhist world, they're having these dreams and visions of Jesus coming to them, appearing to them and saying, follow me. And they trust it. And God saves them. I don't have time to show it to you this morning, but there's a video clip in your online sermon notes, gracetucson.org slash Bible. When you get home today, pull up your online sermon notes and watch. There's a video clip that shows a news story of all these many, many episodes around the world where this just is becoming commonplace now, where people aren't getting, where Christians aren't getting to bring the gospel to places that don't have it. God's just making sure they get the message anyway through dreams and visions. God's not beyond that kind of thing. I think it's amazing. In fact, one of those stories that you'll see in that video clip is of an Asian woman from a Central Asian country. She has this dream of Jesus, never heard of Jesus, who, she, who he was. But he leads her to faith, he leads her to, script, to a scripture, and he leads her to a church that had just been started. And when she starts asking, how did you people know about this Jesus? 80% of them had come to Jesus through a dream or a vision in weeks prior. So God works at times through dreams and visions. Sometimes we have dreams and visions and they make absolutely no sense at all. They just come from eating bad pizza the night before. Right? But sometimes these things happen and we wake up and we pray and ask, God, what was that? And God puts this burden on our hearts to start praying and we realize maybe there's something more to what just happened. I shouldn't discount it. So God, sometimes he can speak through dreams and visions. The second thing I want to share with you is sometimes he speaks by sharing with God's people some information that otherwise there's no way that they could know. In the Old Testament, God talks about this, how God gave messages to people called prophets to tell them about things that were to come, things that they could otherwise have not have known that were going to happen in the future. And there were people back in that day who followed God and they, they would tend to trust these guys that they were hearing from God. And you know why they trusted them? Because there was a place in the Old Testament law that said if anybody dares to say that God said something and this person who, the, who claims himself to have heard from God, if he's actually wrong, if he's proven to be wrong, if God didn't do what he said he was going to do, then you know what the judgment for that was? You're dead. So you didn't tend to speak up and say God told you anything unless you really, really knew God said it, right? 
But God worked in that way in, those, in the days of the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we find that after the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, this started becoming so commonplace that Paul feels like he needs to do some intervening here and explaining to them, to explain to people in places like 1 Corinthians 12, how do you know if these words are really from God or if they're just something that someone's made up? And so Paul explains that in Scripture. I can, exp- I can attest in my own life, as crazy as this sounds, there have been a couple of times in my life when someone has given a word to me that I knew was from God. They said it was, and I knew the things that they were There's no way they could have known what God was speaking to me in my heart. But they said it because God I really wanted to get my attention in that moment, and he did. And it caused me to, to pull back and to follow in the way God was calling me to go. In fact, believe this. The reason that my wife and I are together today, in part, is because of a supernatural thing like that that happened. Years ago, after my wife moved to the States, she was in a little Baptist church in, in San Francisco. And for a period of, of, many, of weeks, God was speaking to her through prayer and telling her that she needed to move to Arizona. And Teresa thought that was the dumbest thing in the world. She wasn't interested in moving to Arizona. She thought the Bay Area was much better than the desert. And, and God, she, God just wasn't getting through. So she goes to this church, her church that morning, and this guest preacher was in there. And after it was over, she just feels like, maybe, maybe I should have him go and pray for me. So she comes forward at the end of the service and asks this guy to pray for her. And he's putting his hand on her and praying for her. And at one moment, he stops, and he picks, lifts up her head and says, Young girl, why are you fighting God about moving to Arizona? And he just, she just looks at him dumbfounded. And she said, I'm not, I'm not hesitating anymore. And she said, God used that man to say to me, you're going to find your family. You're going to build a family there in Arizona. And a couple of years later, she met me. <laughs> God says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we're to be careful not to scoff at these supernatural things these prophetic voices when they come because God at times uses them for his glory. So the important question, the important practical question that I want to discuss with you for just a moment before we wrap up here today is this. How do we know? How do we know if someone hears a word from God, if it's really from God or if it's just from their own head? How do we know if it's from God or if it's something evil that they're hearing? I mean, how do we know? Well, there are a few practical ways that I want to make sure that you understand today. In case God ever works in your life in a supernatural way, that you can kind of have a, a test to understand if it's God or not. First John, as I said, First John chapter 4 talks about testing the spirits to make sure that they're of God. I want to share with you just three quick, easy ways to know if what you think you're hearing from God really is from God or not. The first one, we're kind of going back as a review of what we've talked about so far in this series. The first is Scripture. Scripture is a great test to know if something that you think you're hearing from God that seems a little bit crazy is really from God or not. You can ask yourself, does what I think I'm hearing in any way contradict Scripture? Because like I said last week, God doesn't say one thing in one place and another thing in another. God doesn't contradict himself. What God says in Scripture is what he believes today. And so if Scripture says you shouldn't do something and you feel like you're hearing a word from God that says you're to do different, you're not hearing from God. You can think with all of your mind, all of your heart and soul that God wants you to, as I've mentioned last week, to, 
to cheat on your spouse or to leave your family or to steal or any of these things. And you know what? You may be convinced you heard from God. But Scripture would very clearly say, you're not hearing from God, you're hearing from something else. And we can trust in that. We also know from the Bible that God very clearly forbids us trying to hear from God in ways that aren't biblical. Things like using horoscopes or psychics or fortune tellers or any of these things. God very specifically speaks to those things in Scripture and says, if you think you're going to hear from me through those things, think again, I will not speak to you in those ways. God says, as my people, I want you to avoid those things. I want you to go to those things to hear from me. I want you to go to me to hear from me. And so God makes that clear. But God can use these supernatural things in our lives at times to get our attention and to confirm what we think we might have been hearing through God, from God in prayer. Another thing that I'll share with you, in addition to Scripture, we can also check these things out by, with our prayer life. We can ask ourselves, is the person who's sharing this word with me, do they really have a deep personal relationship with God that I have seen play out over the last few years? Or are they kind of flaky and I'm not sure that I should trust them? Is it something that I'm hearing that I believe that God's already been speaking to my heart, but perhaps I've been a little resistant to? Is it something that, as, as I'm hearing this word, that gives me a sense of peace and assurance that God is sharing it? It's something that I need to hear. Lastly, God will oftentimes speak through godly counsel to confirm what we think we've heard supernaturally. And we see this played out time and time again. If you think that you've heard something from God through a dream or a vision, or somebody's given you a word that they believe God had given them to you in prayer, then go to someone that you trust. Go to godly counsel, someone who's been walking with God for a long time, who has no agenda in your life other than to listen and pray with you and discern, is this God or not? Go to those people and and say, would you pray with me and help me to discern if this is really God, something that I can trust or something that I should just kind of discount? It's a little bit crazy. As I wrap up this morning, this kind of practical message on something that's very impractical, supernatural things. I want to share with you one last way that God works in supernatural ways, and that's through these supernatural occurrences, these supernatural appearances that we see at times. We see it in Scripture. God chooses all kinds of unorthodox ways at times to get people's attention. We see in the Old Testament there's this guy named Moses, and God starts talking to him out of a bush that's burning. We see a guy by the name of Balaam who is running from God, and God literally makes a donkey talk to get his attention. We, we see at one place there's this king in, in Babylon and he's not following God and God's hand literally appears on this man's wall and starts writing in his language a message that says, dude, your days are numbered. You're about to be out of this kingdom. And before the night's over, his kingdom is destroyed. And God works through these ways. He, God sends angels to supernaturally appear to people at times to get their attention. And so oftentimes, it's because God wants to make sure that his people are following him. And so he'll allow these things to happen. This morning, I want to close this whole thing out by sharing with you one more story. And it's a guy that I, I just heard about this a few days ago by the name of Afshin. Afshin was this young boy who was raised in Iran. His dad was a Muslim leader, and uh, he was a devout Muslim boy. In fact, by the time he was a young teenager, Afshin had joined Hezbollah, the, the terrorist organization, to fight on the side of Islam. By the time he was in his early 20s, 
Afshin found himself in a Malaysian prison. He was going to be in prison for many years because he, had caught, he was caught with illegal passports. And while he was in prison, praying to God and reading his Quran, there were a couple of crazy, unexplainable things that happened in this young man's, man's life that eventually, over a period of time, led him to Jesus. I won't take the time to share with you his whole story, but I have also included his story in your online sermon notes at gracetucson.org slash Bible. There's a 10-minute video where he shares what happened to him. It's an amazing story. I'm just going to share with you a very, very short piece of that, uh, that story this morning. But basically what happens is he's in his cell one day and he's praying and he's reading his Quran and he's very fervent and he's angry. He's just filled with anger. He's angry at everybody. He's angry at the prison guards. He's angry at the, at the nation of Malaysia. He's angry at people who aren't Muslim. And he's just venting and fuming. And in that moment, he said, this holy presence entered the jail cell. And he said, I felt it. And I stopped reading my Quran and I stopped praying. And I actually said, what is this presence in this room? And he said, he heard an audible voice that said, I am Jesus. Take a look at this. This is in spite of all the good things I've done in my life. I knew that I have sins in my life and I knew that uh, he's just and he must judge me and because of his justice, I deserve death. But that didn't happen. Instead, he felt a tap on his shoulder. Right at that moment, I felt a touch on my left shoulder and a voice that says, I forgive you. And uh, I didn't understand. I did not understand uh, what, how could that be possible? Because, because I had heard Allah is forgiving and merciful, but we cannot know his forgiveness till the day of judgment. So I said, who are you that forgives me? And I feel forgiven today. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I did not understand what that means because I had never heard those words. So I said, what is your name? And he said, Jesus Christ, the living God. I fell on the floor. And I just wept. He told his fellow prisoners what happened. Some shunned him, others followed him to faith. But Javi knew he needed more than his story, so he prayed for a Bible. His answer came through a fellow prisoner. Then he reached out from his back and said, this is for you, this is what you have asked for. And I looked at it, it's a book, there's nothing written on the cover, but I knew it's a Bible. He grabbed it out of his hand, forgot to thank him, ran to the room, thank God, kissed it as we do. And when I opened it, it was in a language I couldn't read. So I thought, thank you for the Bible, but <laughs> you have sent me the wrong language. <laughs> and he said, no, read this. I said, but I can't. He said, read. And I said, but I can't. I don't know this language. He said, read. And I said, and as I looked upon the page, the words came alive. I could read and I could understand. It was written in English a language he didn't know then, but one he preaches in today. His message is for everyone, though his heart is for Muslims. 
He's never shied away from sharing his story, though it's nearly cost him his life. I went to a mosque in Bangladesh, and I shared the gospel in that mosque. And they decided to take me outside the mosque and kill me. But because the night before I had prayed for a lady and her son, and her son was dying, and he got healed in the name of Jesus, she came to the mosque and told everybody how her son had been healed. So the imams brought all the sick people to outside the mosque, set us down and said, pray for these people. Should they get healed? And should, you, should they get answered? You live, otherwise you die. And so we prayed and God answered. And they kept us there for another six days, forced us to go to their homes to preach the gospel to them their children, and their children's children. Today, this young man, Afshin, is a pastor in Vancouver, Canada. Now, some of you came here today, and I know this was not the message you were expecting from me. The guy who's typically very skeptical, hard-nosed journalist type. These types of things aren't things that I typically talk about very often, but I have seen firsthand that I can't put God in a box. I can't assume that God's going to only work the ways that I think he's going to work. And sometimes God does things that just blow my mind. Things that, are un, that seem, at least at first, to be unreasonable or unexplainable. The Bible shows, shows us in so many places how we do ourselves a disservice if we close ourselves off and assume that God doesn't do those sorts of things in the world today. Now, God isn't a magician. He doesn't do these things to just like parlor tricks to kind of show, show off. But when God wants to get our attention or God wants to confirm to us to make sure that we understand that what we're thinking we're hearing from God is true, then he'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we hear it and we follow. There was a lady here at Grace just a few days ago who was sharing with me. Older lady, wise lady, a lady that I very much trust. But she said there were a couple of times in her life where... She was in a very difficult place in her life, and God spoke to her audibly with an audible voice. And she said, I knew it was the voice of God. It's never happened again. I hope it happens again one day. But she said, I knew in that moment that those words of encouragement that I desperately needed to hear, that they were from God. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to think about in your own life, have there been any things that God has done in your life that you believe was God, but they just they seem a little out of the ordinary? Something that doesn't, isn't easy to explain. Something that may even be a little bit supernatural. And I want to encourage you, inside your programs, there's a little blue bubble. And I want to ask you to write, those, write one of those things down or write a couple of those things down. And later on in our worship services, we're spending time worshiping. I want to encourage you to put it here on this big bubble. Because at the ends of our services, sometimes people, we, we, we can, you can come up and read how God's been speaking to people in these different ways as an encouragement that God may actually speak to you in those ways as well. But let me ask you, are you closed off to God working supernaturally in your life? If God decides to show up in your life in some way that you can't explain this afternoon or tomorrow, are you going to be receptive to it? Or do you think your nature is going to be to just push it away? Would you pray with me? Lord, I just ask that for each one of us that you would help us to come to understand how to hear you more clearly. Lord, through this series, we're learning how to hear from you in all these different ways 
that you speak through scripture, through godly counsel, through prayer, through supernatural things. Lord, next week we're going to talk about one more, which is our just everyday circumstances in our lives where you can speak to us in ways that we weren't expecting. But God, I just want to pray for each one of us who are here in this room. Because I know that in a, in a room this size, that there are people who have been following God for a long time. There have been those who have only been following God for a few months. And those who still haven't come to a place of trusting and accepting in God. Lord, in this diverse room, we have so many different experiences. God, I pray that you would help us in a day that we live in where we are blessed with so much knowledge, so much scientific knowledge, and so much, so many medical advancements. Lord, there's so many things that we think we can do in our own strength, in our own power, that anything that isn't easily explainable, God, we so quickly want to write off and discount. God, would you help us to think outside the box just a little? Would you help us to be open and receptive to uh, times where maybe in our future you may speak to us to get our attention in a way that we can't explain? And Lord, in those moments, what I'm praying for for all of us is that not that we will just jump on it, but that we'll be receptive, that we'll test it out. We'll test out those thoughts and feelings and make sure that they're of you. And that, Lord, if they are of you, that we would trust you. And that we would follow you, just as Paul did so many years ago through a vision of a guy from Macedonia. Lord, I believe with all of my heart that you've called some of us to take a big step in our faith. And to step out and to pursue going into a ministry, a way that we can impact uh, people's lives for you. Sharing our faith with people that we may never have dreamed we would be doing. God, I pray that you would make that calling that vision so clear for us that we don't doubt it. Lord, even if you have to use unexplainable things to make sure we get the message, Lord, to confirm what we feel like we're hearing in prayer when that time comes, Lord, we ask that you would do it. And Lord, I just also pray for all of those who are here today in the sound, who can hear my voice, those in this room, those who are listening online, who have never accepted Christ. If you've never come to that place of accepting Christ, but you feel like today is that day that God's just kind of nudging you to just take that baby step and to trust Him. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me and allow God to start working in your life in that way. He's not going to force His way in. But if you open that door to God, God says that He will. So if, you, if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I thank you for bringing me here. I thank you for helping me to, to process this message today. Lord, I've struggled with these things in my life in the past, not wanting to accept them, not even wanting to accept you because just how, it just seems like it takes so much faith. But God, I just pray that today that as I put myself out there, Lord, and I say in the silence of my heart that I trust you, Lord, that I surrender to you, God, I ask that you would come into my heart and begin to fill me with your spirit. And begin to change me and make me into the man or woman of God that you've called me to be. As I confess that you are my Savior and Lord who died on a cross so that I could be reached. So that I could have a relationship with you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to hear this guy with this crazy southern voice speak to you. To me, God's truth. 
And God, I pray that I would be open and receptive from this point on to any way that you want to speak to me. God, if you want to speak to me through prayer today, I pray that you would just burden my heart when I get home to just start praying. If you want to speak to me through Scripture, God, I pray that that message would be so loud in my head that I can't avoid it. And God, if you want to speak to me supernaturally, God, you have an open door. Do whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen.